Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Joining us today on the show, we have Doug Fulloway. Doug, thanks for joining us today. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks to have you on the show. Uh, Here's a little bit about Doug. He is the president of 14 Plus, a company that connects investors and operators to deliver direct investments in real estate in the $270 billion U.S. senior living market. Doug was also the CEO of the larger software provider for assisted living. So super impressive and we're excited to hear more. Doug, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah, I'm really pleased to be able to do what I'm doing, which is take really great senior living operators and help them find the capital they need to grow. Uh, This is not a large industry as compared to multifamily. So, for example, this year there were about 50,000 new units built in 2018 for senior living, but 350,000 for multifamily, just to give you some idea. So it's not as mature, and many of the operators are not highly sophisticated at raising their funds. So I step in and help. Perfect. Awesome. Can you do us a favor and define senior living in your world? I know there's different perceptions and definitions of what senior living can be, so it'd be great if we start out there. Well, I'll start by saying yes, absolutely. And I would suggest that your investors always ask the question, what do you mean? Because the terminology in the industry is differs by region and by state. And it's very confusing and the rules are different. So let me give some basics. But when, Because when I started in 2002 and somebody said, we have the software for assisted living, I said, well, what's assisted living? I had no idea. So just keep asking. First, you know, there are a bunch of segments here. And if you understand the segments, it's pretty easy to figure out the situation. First, there's active adult, and it's over 55, and it's just like any other multifamily apartment. Then there's a segment called independent living. Those are typically people who are over 65, and I think of this as a college dorm for old folks because (laughs) it has a dining room and activities, but it really doesn't provide any health services. Consequently, there are few, if any, regulations around it. There's also the next step up, which is assisted living, and that is just like the previous one, only there are some level of service provided for things that are called activities of daily living. You know, it's help with understanding and keeping track of the 10 medications. It's help getting dressed. It's a reminder to go to something. It it isn't heavy health care in the sense of I need a full-time doctor and nurse, but it is reminders and guidance to live a healthier lifestyle. The next segment is memory care. It's really the same as assisted living, except these folks need special assistance, typically closer supervision because they get confused easily and they tend to wander, but it's almost exactly the same as assisted living. Then we move into the world of skilled nursing. 
This is where people need complex mental health help at all times. And you'll hear terms like short-term rehabilitation, they're gonna be there for a few weeks, or long-term care, which are part of skilled nursing where people might be there for years. There's a real split here between the world of skilled nursing and everything else. Skilled nursing is regulated at the federal level because it's almost 95% paid for by some government pay source, typically Medicare. Whereas all the others I talked about are almost 95% private pay, the person living there is paying with their own checkbook. So if you have that kind of picture in your mind of those segments, it's pretty easy to evaluate what you're looking at and ask questions. And each state may have different names for what they call these things. Mm -hmm. Got it. And is there a place that you can go online just to look that up per state? Yes, actually you can. If you go to the American Healthcare Association, AHCA.org, they have a description of all these things. And within it, you can drill down to the state rules and see what the current rules are. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I mean, when people say they're investing in senior living, it's it's kind of like, what, well, what part? And there's so many different segments. So that's important to understand those. Is there, is. Um, is there a segment that you and your company focus on? And is there a reason why you focus on that particular segment? Yeah, I, I certainly have a complete focus on independent living, assisted living and memory care and not on skilled nursing. It, it isn't that skilled nursing is a bad business. It's just not one. I don't have, you know, 15 years of experience in that. I happen to own one and sit on the subboards, but it's, it's, it's a much more complex world. The regulations in skilled nursing are just very difficult. And I have lots of contacts in the assisted living, memory care, independent living world. You know, it's not that large an industry. And since I sold to all of it, I've been in literally hundreds of these communities and I know many, many operators. So it's just a place I have expertise. That's why. Okay. Can you tell us about the need and the demand for senior living in the United States? Yeah, certainly. It's it's historically been the case that 92% of people over 65 stay home and never go anyplace else until they die. And that has crept up a little. It's probably around 10% nationally who stay home. I mean, move into a community and 90% will stay home. But you see the vast majority will stay at home. However, this is changing. Where I live in Portland, Oregon, 27% of those over 75 years of age live in some kind of senior living community. So the world is changing out there, but slowly. So in 2015, there were about 20 million people in the United States over 75 years of age. In 2020, that goes up to by 3 million to 23 million. And then we have the real explosion because it will go from 23 million and by 2030, it will be 35 million. So over a period of 10 years, we're gonna see 10 million additional seniors if 10% of theirs were to move into a senior living community, that means over that 10-year period, we're going to need to see 1 million more units. Let me say it a different way. They're going to need 10,000 new buildings with 100, use, 100 units each in it. So there is a very wow. large demand that is about to hit. I don't think people really appreciate 10,000 new buildings. That's 1,000 new buildings of 100 units each every year for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm assuming that it just stays at 10%. And what I see is people are beginning to understand the value and the product is getting better. 
So that 10% might easily nationally grow another two or 3%. Wow. And I didn't prepare you for this question, but do you, do you know why maybe that percentage is starting to creep uh, from that 90, 10 to um, it, more in favor or starting to be more in favor of people living in these homes versus staying at home? I can, I can offer my opinion. I can tell you there aren't any really good studies that have answered the question. And I actually think it's a critical question to answer for the industry. Instead of waiting for people to get old, why don't you increase the product quality and the value? I think what's happened here in Portland is it's reached the tipping point. Almost everybody has a friend who knows a parent and they've been in these buildings and they're not, they're not old clunky looking hospitals or old kind of poorly run skilled nursing. These look like beautiful hotels. And when you realize that it costs less to live there than it does to stay at home when you're 70, the lights go on because three of your friends have already moved in. So I think that's what's driving this, this increase in market penetration. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. What metrics or demographics drive senior living investments? They seem to be much different than, you know, what multifamily would be. Yeah, it, it, it's certain that the investing parameters are different. The cap rates for assisted living have been 8% since, since the you know, early 2000s. It really hasn't changed much. But why is this so much higher? I mean, it's just, it, you know, it's like, why? Well, the multifamily market, really, you know, if you have 100 residents, you have four or five employees. In the senior living world, for example, in assisted living, if you have 100 residents, you have 55 employees. So it is it's very much like running a cruise ship with health care. It takes a lot of staff to do the job effectively. And that's harder to manage. And I think that's why the cap rates have been higher. But if you look across all types of real estate investment, you know, increased in what is it? The National Council of Real Estate Investment Fiduciaries. Now, there's a mouthful. I've studied all the different kinds of places you can invest your money in commercial real estate. And the one that has consistently outperformed everything else is senior, what they call senior housing. It's always been two to 4% better than multifamily for years and years. And unlike retail or industrial or anything else where the economy goes up and down and those segments all go through cycles, you know, when, when the economy turns down, the 87 year old lady living in an assisted living community really doesn't care. They stay in place and they keep paying the bills. So this is not as, it, it doesn't have the ups and downs like other real estate segments do. And so it outperforms. And, and so, you know, the, the average over a 15 year period was a rate of return of 14.7%. That's the average. Well, it's dropped now down to about 11 and a half, but it's still outperforming every other segment by a couple of percentage points. So, it, it has a different set of economics. It has a very, very solid margin in it. You know, th these things have net operating income. It's a 35% level. I see lots of performers that come to me to raise money for a value add project where it, it's relatively straightforward to provide the investor cash on cash return that starts at 5%, grows to 20% over five years with, with a, an average in the 16 or 17% range. So it's a great business, but it goes back to the it takes <coughs> 55 employees for 100 residents that makes it different. 
Got it. And so when you're looking to invest in a certain city or state, what are some of the things that you look for? I mean, with multifamily, you know, it's pretty general. You want rent growth, population growth, job diversity. But I feel like with senior living, it might be a little bit different. It, it, it is different. Um, in many ways, there are things that are exactly the same. You know, even some of the same firms that will go out and do valuations. And they use many of the same things in terms of economics. For, you know, can people afford this and so on? But there are some things that are very different. The first is the decision maker is often the daughter, not, not, not mom or dad, because, you know, the, the daughter's the one who visits at Christmas and sees that the medications aren't being taken and things aren't quite as clean. And, oh, my goodness, why is there food in here that's been here for two weeks? So they worry about it and they take mom someplace and say, it's time for you to move. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, so when it comes time to evaluate this, it matters what the market is, and that market is what's within a 20-minute drive of the location where this particular senior housing is located. And in that, in that small segment, you need to understand who's the competition, how new is their product, what's their pricing, what are the size of their rooms. So in most ways, it's the same. The thing that's different is I want to know how many people over 75 are here now, What's the growth of the 75 plus population? You know, for example, in Houston, Texas, people think that, oh, it's overbuilt right now with senior living. Well, in much of Houston, that's true. But if you look at one segment in the Northwest, that population of 75 is growing twice the rate of everything else in Texas and three times the national rate. So the, the number of people 75 and over in that particular segment is going to expand greatly in, in the next five years. So that's a, a little nuance that's different, but, but the techniques are easily understood by somebody who's evaluating multifamily. It's, it's the same, but you look at a couple different things. Yep, Who perfect. can afford it? You know? Perfect. And, Thank and you. And how many will there be? So it's really straightforward. Are you purchasing existing facilities with value-add component or doing ground-up development starting from scratch? So the first thing I'd say is, you know, I, in general, I'm not the, the, the one who's doing the purchasing. Yes, I, I own some and I'm going to buy some, but I really help other people who are operators who say, oh, I understand this state or this city. I want to add something. And I help both kinds. Um, you know, there are value-add deals. It's much easier to attract investors who can put up twenty-five or fifty or hundred thousand dollars for a value-add deal because they'll see a they'll see a cash dividend. Maybe not the first year, or maybe only four or five percent, but it's going to be pretty quick when they see a twelve percent and a fifteen percent. So the value-add segment is particularly attractive that way. Um, you know, when it comes to new construction because there are so many needed people do see that and the large sophisticated players are in it playing a longer term game but it has become more difficult to get new construction loans in the last year in senior living you got to have somebody can put up the guarantee and make sure it's going to get done and there's going to be no cash flow out of it for the first two to two and a half years so it's more difficult but the returns are still solid okay so i see both got it so senior living sounds like it could be an extremely complex and hands-on type of operation. How do you reduce your liability and risk with all the moving parts and regulations? 
So there are no doubt there, there are risks, but the, the step one is to first understand that if you stay away from skilled nursing, which has rules that are more complex than the nuclear energy business <laughs> and more inspections, if you stay away from that and you move to assisted living, independent living memory care, the rules are actually quite reasonable. They're not that complex. You know, there's not 300 pages, there's 24 pages and anybody can understand them. But the key is find a good operator who understands hospitality, has a depth to their leadership team, and have systems in place. So they probably have five to 10 communities they already manage. If they have one, I, that's a little risky, too risky for me. If they have five, I'm okay. If they have 10, I'm feeling really good because they have all these things. And if they have 20, that's great. If they have more than 100, I, I, I wouldn't go there because they have a different set of issues and there's no one who's demonstrated they can do a really great job when they get to be that big. The other thing I'd say is you can manage this by understanding sort of the structure here. Who decides when it's time to sell? Who decides when it's time to spend capital dollars to keep up with the brand new building that's being built two miles away? It, you you want to understand that because if, if you don't, you can get yourself in a box. Right. You know, the, the last thing is it's same of every real estate deal. It's like do the same thing you do with others. Make sure you buy it right. Yep. No, that makes sense. And just to touch on this a little bit, you mentioned that in different states, um, all the segments are maybe named a little bit differently. And also in every state, the regulations are, are different, correct? Correct. For assisted living, memory care, and independent living, each state has its own set of rules. They're pretty much the same, by the way, but they all have their own rules. Okay. All right. Good to know. So who's managing all the staff at the facilities? Is it your company, a third-party management company, or are you partnering with an operator that is kind of a one-stop shop turnkey operator? So I tend to, to go to the operator um, who, who has all those skills and proven they can do it because it's a critical ingredient, in my opinion. And sometimes the structure is that there is an operating company who is hired to manage it day to day. And there's a property company that owns the property that hires that operator to come in and do it. But it gets confusing sometimes because you'll have operators who always want to own 10 or 20% of the equity in the property. Um, you sometimes see that it's an operator who owns both the operating company and the property company. So the structure changes. The, the critical ingredient here is always the who's the operator who's going to make sure it gets run properly day to day. Got it. Okay. So the numbers don't lie about the need for senior living out there, but what are the biggest risks and potential downsides to investing in senior living? You know, I, I see a lot of pro forma and, and I will tell you that, you know, the, the, the biggest risk is, that you didn't understand the local market when, when it was acquired or built. That is the biggest risk because if you don't take the time to understand what else is coming and what the demand is, because you know if the demand is large, other people are going to respond and somebody else is going to show up with a new building. And you might have a great investment for the first year and then, oh, surprise, here comes a new one that will be out of the ground in 18 months. And, and now your, your, your project doesn't perform as well. But if you think about it ahead of time when you acquire it, and just plan accordingly. That is, I'm going to buy it at a price that allows me to underprice the new construction and deliver a quality set of services 
you'll be fine, even though there's a brand new, quote, Ritz-Carlton assisted living building a mile away. So that's the first risk is the, well, what's going to happen in my local market? The second risk is the one that, that, quite frankly, many people have fallen into, even some very large public companies, where they just overpay. You know, they, they pay too much and they lose their flexibility. Um, the, the appetite of the public is changing over time. Ten years ago, a small room was perfectly acceptable in a building that didn't allow you to walk to the coffee shop across the street. That's becoming less acceptable. So being able to change what you do over time in a particular piece of real estate is becoming more important. You know, can, can I today build it as independent, but build it to the construction standards so I can relicense it as assisted living might be a good thing to do as people age in that building. So, so thinking ahead a bit to make sure you manage that market risk about the change of need of amenities and the services and the product is the second big risk in my mind. Got it. So if those, you're are the, investing, those are the two big ones. So if you're investing passively in senior living, then it sounds like to me, really, it's all about the operator, right? Because they're the ones that are going to be selecting the market. They're the ones that are going to be selecting the property and ultimately the business plan. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And the good news is if you get connected into one, I mean, there's, there's a company in New Jersey who has 57 investors. They don't need anybody to raise any more money for them and they don't need to go find money because those 57 investors have been with that company for 10 years and they're making lots of money and they're very happy and they're very, you know, they know it doesn't always go right. They know that they're ups and downs, but they look at their returns and say, Oh, this operator is great. I'll stay with them. That's what you want to find. Okay. So if someone were interested in investing passively in senior living, where could they start for an education? I think it's a little bit more difficult to find out some of that information than let's say just multifamily. It is a little more difficult. There's some great places. The first place to go is is to a website, nic.org. This is a national investment center. It's really all of the industry where it gets together to, to deal with the finances of the business. And because of it, they have great financial information and great information about the business case. They have, you know, many members that they keep track of what's going on. It's just a good place to get connected with what kind of returns people get, what the census is and how it's changing. So NIC.org. And then there are three sort of trade associations. Each has a slightly different focus, but, but the, the big ones are the American Healthcare Association. And that's AHCA.org. Uh, they really are focused on more skilled nursing, but they have a, an assisted living part of it called the National Center for Assisted Living. Leading Age is all the not-for-profit organizations. And then there's Argentum that's focused almost exclusively on non-skilled nursing senior housing. So those are three great places to go. I would recommend if somebody's interested that they go to the website for M dash v dash s dot com that stands for more diversified services he's a consultant he's been around the business a long time he's written a book about the, the assisted living center he's got a bunch of books you can buy online it's their great great understanding of the economics in the business and that people could even go get my book that's about investing on senior living you can either go to my website and get it or go to amazon and get it it's just called investing in senior living 
Perfect. A lot of great uh, resources there. So thank you. All right. Uh, Lolita is going to be taking us into our final four questions. All right, Doug. So let's go ahead and dig into the final four questions. Uh, number one, what is the one tool that you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? So I look at a lot of pro formas, most look pretty good when you first look, but I always do a Monte Carlo analysis. So I use a product called Risk Analyzer that costs $49 and plugs into Excel. It's a little clunky to learn, but once you get it, it's really easy to use. But, you know, when you see that, that there's a project that has a 10% chance the deal will be better than a 20% IRR and a 90% chance it won't be less than 15%, then I know I got a good one. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I've seen deals that had supposedly an 18% IRR on a value-add deal, but there was a 10% chance it would actually lose money. Uh, that's not so good. So I, I, that's the tool I always use. Wow, I never heard of that tool. That sounds yeah, like an amazing yeah. tool. Awesome. And we'll have to dig so, into that. So you can use, look, there are lots of other Monte Carlo analyzers out there, and there's some that are actually far superior. I, I just find this one gets the job done for me. Awesome. All right. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real invest, real estate investing so far? And what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Okay. Well, I had a solid deal. Could buy, could, could join with a group of people and buy a building for $5 million and fix the problem. And we projected the value would be 10 million in three years. Well, indeed it was worth 10 million in three years and somebody offered to buy it from us for 10 million, mm-hmm. but two large investors didn't want to sell. Oops. 11 years after that, <laughs> I still am an owner and the capital's <laughs> tied up because I didn't understand that even though everybody liked it and they want to put their money in, that they all had slightly different motives as investors and it created a deadlock. Mm-hmm. I've since learned. I want to know who can sell this thing and who decides. You know, It's not killing me, but it's completely embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And uh, number three, what is, what is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Well, I feel really good about, I've got a business that has deal flow that won't quit. Over the last 24 months, I've seen 2.3 billion of senior running projects and I never go out and look for them. They show up here. I get a phone call, I get an email, but I do a very poor job of finding enough investment capital to deal with those. A third of those are not worthy projects. A third have operators that aren't really that great, and I wouldn't let anybody go in. But a third of them are great. So I just need to get connected and find lots more investors to connect to the good, to the good deals I see. Yeah, yeah, we can relate. All right, and lastly, where can people find out more about you? So if you go to LinkedIn and put in my name, Doug Fullaway, that's one way. The other thing is to go to my website, 14plus.com. If you go there and go to the resources tab, you can download the book for free. So that's where to find me. Perfect. All right. Well, Doug, thank you for informing us of senior living, another asset class in real estate that you could provide an investor with passive income. Um, With that being said, thank you everyone for spending some time with us. Appreciate your time, Doug, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.